Welcome to the Cork Creative Podcast. With this podcast, we hope to promote local creative businesses and people. I'm your host, Geraldine Hennessy from Flux Learning. And today I have the pleasure of sitting down with the incredibly talented Justin Grounds, a musician, composer and music producer surrounded by his beloved musical instruments in his home studio here in Clannacilty. Justin's journey in music began at the tender age of four. From early studies in violin, he ventured into electroacoustic compositions during his university years. He seamlessly fuses classical violin with electronic beats and bass, a theme that echoes throughout his diverse musical career. His orchestral and chamber ensemble compositions bridge Baroque violin training with a love for modern electronic sound processing. After years in Vancouver and Melbourne, he now calls West Cork home. Beyond the stage and studio, Justin is a passionate advocate for music's role in society, dedicating time to teaching, workshops and volunteering. In this episode, we chat about how music has been a constant presence throughout his life, his move to West Cork, his influences and his unique approach to music. You're very welcome to Cork Creative, Justin. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little about yourself and what drew you to music and how did you come to live in Clannacilty? Okay, I'm a violinist and a composer Mm -hmm. and a sort of music producer Mm -hmm. in lots of different ways now. And what drew me to music was, this is the story, right? Okay. (laughs) When I was a baby, I cried every day. You were one of those babies? Yes, and I would only let my mother hold me. I wouldn't let anyone. I was just this complete like nightmare Mm -hmm. you know and i had an older brother so the only time i would stop crying and screaming and having tantrums and stuff Mm -hmm. was when my mum would wheel me in the buggy to the like the musical instrument shop window and i would just look at like string instruments cellos and violins basically and just be like mesmerized by these string instruments i'm actually looking at you behind you at this violin that i had when i was a kid and then they'd wheel me away and i'd start screaming again so there was like this thought like this kid needs somehow he wants music and Mm. i remember being like the only things i would draw on paper were the shapes of violins and cellos okay yeah and anytime music came on the radio that was like classical Mm. i I would be tuned into Mm. that you know and my mum's australian and my Mm. dad's english so this was in england where i was born Mm -hmm. but we went to australia and i started school when i was just four Mm -hmm. in australia and my uncle was like, to my mum, apparently he was like, God, this is crazy. Like, can't you see this kid is crying out for the violin? Mm-hmm. So this woman uh, who's a violinist, mm-hmm. professional violinist in, in Australia, uh, made me a cardboard cutout violin and I had a stick, you know, just a oh stick. And then I would stride around the house. I kind of have this memory of it, like playing, you know, playing yeah. my violin. And uh, I think I even did like a busking concert, you know. and weirdly enough like i was still in touch with her and i yeah. ended up playing with her you know? gosh so then we got home from from australia and i started going to school in england and there was nothing like my mum didn't know anything about where to even begin mm-hmm. and i was still as terrible as ever mm-hmm. and she was on the bus coming home to pick me up from school coming home to the village and she was crying on the bus she was mm-hmm. so distraught she was just in tears she just broke down in tears on the bus and this stranger came and sat next to her okay. and was like, put her arm around her and just said, this, lady, this lovely lady mm. just said like, oh, what's the matter? You know? And uh, my mum said, well, I've got these two boys and my youngest boy is just crazy. And 
he just desperately wants music, especially mm. the violin. And like none of us in our family know anything about where to even start with this, mm. you know. And then like this lady kind of consoled my mum a bit, and mm. then she got off the bus, you know, at, at one stop, and then my mum got off at like the next stop. And an hour later, there was a knock at the door, and this lady was at the door, this stranger, and she oh, just gosh. said, "I went to the post office and I asked the postmistress." where does the Australian woman with the two little boys live? And they told me where you live and here I am. And she just handed my mum a piece of paper and it had like a violin teacher's number on it. She's like, here's the violin teacher's number, call them now. You, like, you oh need to do this. And like next day, I have a memory of walking into this old house and being given this violin and having my first lesson oh at age gosh. four, you know? And then from that day on, I just played the violin. <laughs> even to now like even to now and i'm 42 or whatever and even now if i don't play for like three days or something i get really weird and kind Anxious of and distraught and yeah. grump, grumpy and yeah. like, well not grumpy i sort of get and my wife will just be like what's the matter with you just go upstairs and play the violin you know and yeah. then as soon as a as soon as the bow hits the string i'm kind of like oh yeah that, thank god i'm back with this thing yeah isn't that weird what an amazing story yeah like the year before covid so what 2019 Mm. my old high school Mm. in the village that i grew up in where i studied music Mm -hmm. built this like beautiful modern auditorium Mm. concerts and they they did this series where they invited past students who Mm. are now professionals to come and give concerts so Mm. i went and did this concert and after the concert, I was like milling around in the foyer, greeting people. Mm. And this woman hugged me and she said, I'm the woman on the bus who <gasps> gave your mum the number. Oh <laughs> you know? And she was like, and here you are, like playing for everybody on stage. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know? And it was like this amazing moment for me because I was like, you just do one kind thing yeah. in your life. And it changed my life, completely, yeah. you know, because my dad, my dad even said one time at dinner, he said, Oh, Justin would probably be in prison or something if Gosh. he hadn't got that violin. You it's know? amazing. So, so weirdly, you know, I just, that was sort of what I just had to do. Yeah. And, and it was like sort of vaguely knew that I needed it mm. or something mm. I needed to be able to create sound. Yeah. And it's just what I've done ever since. And it's like the best thing. It, like it's a wonderful life. Like, yeah. Exactly. People go like, oh my God, you're a musician. Like, how yeah. do you make a living? It's like, I have a great life. Like, yeah. I get to do this thing every day that, that you love. That I yeah. love. Like, yeah. I never grow tired of it. I never, I could, you know, it's just. It's really part yeah. of you, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's like part and of I think your I was DNA. lucky that I found that early on, mm. you know, because it gave, in my teenage years and stuff, it gave me a focus. Mm. You know, I didn't get in loads of trouble because I was just playing in bands, mm. you know. Mm. So mm. everyone was like drinking. Mm. And I was the one on stage, yeah, yeah, know, performing. Yeah, so exactly. I got saved from All you those. know going down some of those yeah. routes that you might, you know. And I think a lot of teenagers they just don't know what they want to do. They haven't got the right. And they haven't found yeah, the, the exactly. direction yet. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I was like, I just want to do this, whatever Fantastic. it is. It doesn't matter what it mm-hmm. is, you know. So. And how why clan? How did, oh, how did you... I get to clan? Yeah. There's another long story. Oh. <laughs> well, I I after graduating college, mm. I I didn't want to live in England. Mm-hmm. I just something about England doesn't never suited me really Mm -hmm. and I went to like California and I went all around I lived in Canada and then I ended up living in Australia because I'm half Australian Mm -hmm. I lived there for ages you know and then I met 
my who's now my wife, who's Canadian on the street on New Year's Eve, mm. randomly. <laughs> and when we decided to get married, Alison was like, well, I don't really want to live in Australia anymore. And it was like, you know, if you're not both from the same town, mm. like you end up just one person entering the other person's dominating yeah, their life, yeah, you know, their yeah. friends and their work. So we just said, oh, well, let's go somewhere totally new where mm-hmm. we don't know anybody and just start our life again. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Afresh, yeah. Yeah. The and two of each other, had yeah. been to Ireland. I'd actually never been to Ireland mm-hmm. in all the time I lived in over the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was like, oh, you do, you play violin. Like, let's go to Ireland. Like, they have great music, mm-hmm. you know, fiddle music. And that. So we, I just said it to my mum on the phone in, from Australia. Like, oh, yeah, we think we might go and live in Ireland for a bit, just for a bit, you know. And then, like, literally a couple of days later, she went to Mass in England, mm-hmm. in Cambridge, where I grew up. And this lady said, oh, do you have an interest in going on holiday? I've got this holiday house in, in West Cork. And my mum says, no. I can't, I'm busy, you know, but what's with this holiday house? Oh, well, it's a family house and we're looking for a house sitters for the winter, really. You know, my mum sort of pounced on that. Yeah. And said, well, my son and his wife are getting married. They're getting married and they want to. So she said, oh, yeah. So we ended up traveling all the way across the world. We put everything we owned in our old 1970 Volkswagen Beetle. Oh, lovely. And it got shipped. And, oh, shipped. Yeah. and we met the Beetle and we drove it. In Southampton, and we drove it here. Oh my gosh! Okay. And the house was on Inchidoni Beach. Oh wow! And there was just a key under yeah. the mat, you know. Yeah. And we were like, we didn't know anything about Clonakilty. This yeah. was fifteen years ago, mm. so there wasn't like a huge Facebook, you know. Yeah. So we were thinking, well, we're going to be in the middle of nowhere on this rugged coastline, and it turns out we're on this amazing beach. Mm. And Clon has like this incredible music scene. Mm. And, like the first week I was here, I was like wandered into Debarras, you know, oh met everyone. <laughs> You know, it's like we landed in somewhere just so great. Yeah. Live. So we never left. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people in Clon have that same story. Yeah. That they came here and they were just like, wow, there's such an enriching mm. community. And yeah. I, I'm just kind of a little bit mysterious. I don't understand. I mean, there's so many good things about yeah. it here. But yeah. Yeah. It's just an amazing place to live. And I've lived all over, yeah. you know, and it's my favorite place to live. <laughs> That's great. That's yeah, wonderful. So, yeah, you're yeah. from here. So, I know, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm very lucky, but we kind of forget how lucky we are I think, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, sometimes you need a stranger to come and yeah. remind you, don't you? Or we need to go away, and when we're away, we realise. Yeah, then, exactly. I think, yeah, That's yeah, important, yeah, I think, yeah, too. Yeah. So yeah. here we are, anyway. Up yeah. clan. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Up clan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So as a violinist and composer and music producer with a diverse musical background, could you share some of the key influences that have shaped your unique musical style? whether it's specific musicians, genres, or even non-musical sources, what elements have left a lasting impact on your approach to creating music? That's a lovely question. <laughs> it's it a long me, question. Yeah, it, made, it makes me think a lot, you know, because oftentimes, Geraldine, I don't even know where the music comes from. Like, right. I, I might hear a piece that I've written, performed, and I'm like, did I write that? Really? You know, it's yeah. just such a strange thing. But I mean, ultimately... Like going on from when I was four, yeah. you know, and then I got the violin and then I started like playing in the local youth orchestra on Saturday mornings. And then and there's this picture of me with that my feet can't even hit the ground, you know, mm-hmm. off the chair. Yes. And when I was six, I saw a poster for Mozart Requiem, okay. which is a super intense yeah. classical yeah. piece. Yeah. Know? And he died writing that piece. Okay. And for some reason, the six year old me was like, that is what I want for my birthday. I want a ticket to that. 
<laughs> wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is like, these are all these weird stories about yeah. me and my family, you know? And um, I badgered like my mum and dad for months to like, that's what I want for my birthday. I want you to get me a ticket. My and gosh. they ended up getting me a ticket yeah. and, t- and took me. It was like, I was like the only seven year old. And all I, these, I remember people coming up and being like, are you sure he's going to be all right? You know, it's quite a long piece. And from the moment, even from the moment they were tuning, I was just like, yes. Enthralled. Like, yeah, yes. this is it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those early experiences mm. of like that magic of when an orchestra plays together mm. and, and some of those pieces. But I mean, ultimately I studied Bach, mm. you know, and the solo violin stuff with Bach. Mm. And, and then I ended up playing tons of Bach. And for me, that was like the foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if, if all I had was Bach mm. violin studies, that would be enough. Yeah. But then you see a lot of kids go to like the classical studies, they play in orchestras, they can just read the music, they, you know, they're really good, mm-hmm. but they, that's their thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas like when I was nine, then I was like, I just saw this thing of Jimi Hendrix and mm. I want, now I want an electric guitar, <laughs> you know, and I saved up for a year and bought this wow. electric guitar and wanted to be in bands. And it was like Nirvana, mm. and, you know, grunge and heavy metal and, mm. and just anything that, excited me mm. i wanted to do it so mm. i was one day like i'd be playing an orchestra and then i'd be in a band mm. playing guitar and no one could quite get it they were like what don't you you know yeah and then um so as i was like by the time i was a, a 17 or something I, I remember one night having two gigs in one night and one of them was in this like really posh cambridge university mm. college in mm. a string quartet mm. and I had a bow tie on and a suit and I had to quickly, after the gig, run to the toilet, whip off like my suit, yeah. put on like my denim jacket, <laughs> and then go down like to this where the motorbikers are yeah. hanging out and play in this pub. Oh my gosh! Band, you yeah. know, completely like, different. Yeah. But, yeah. So then, when I went to study music, I was playing violin in a live electronic dance band, like mm-hmm. drum and bass, mm-hmm. really fast, heavy mm-hmm. electronic beats. Mm-hmm. And I think that is then when everything kind of came together where I was like, oh yes, like the Bach and the Mozart thing can, it can work with combine yeah, yeah. with these amazing new technologies mm. of beats and samples and mm. really heavy bass and stuff. And that was sort of where I started going, this is really interesting now because mm. this is the two elements of my life. You're, complete, you're that, in complete that nirvana. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I love both of those yeah. and I love it when you know, I really love it when you've got one foot in the past and one foot in the mm. future, you know, mm. and that's when you start to make really good work mm. because, because you're being informed by the two polarities. Mm, 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 so mm. that's kind of, I think, where most of my work comes from okay. now is like trying mm. to straddle mm. that. You mm. Know? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. In different ways, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. In loads of different ways. Yeah. And you mentioned there about living in various different locations around mm. the world. How have the different locations influenced your music or have they? Well, obviously, like where you live, you end up meeting people who, you know, for me, I end up meeting people who are doing a certain kind of music Mm -hmm. and then I kind of end up being influenced by Mm -hmm. that. But I think, and this is quite interesting because I was interviewed by someone on the Irish Times about this, about how I'm like not living in Dublin, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think like the other places I lived were like big cities Mm -hmm. like Vancouver in Canada, Melbourne, Australia, you know, different big cities. And when you live in a city, you're kind of anonymous Mm -hmm. and you just have to sort of like find your community. So Mm -hmm. you end up 
like when I lived in Melbourne, I just all I did is hang out in music studios mm -hmm. and go to gigs and talk to people my age who mm -hmm. did music. And it was all like really nerdy about mm. like gear and microphones. And, you know, it was like, like we just sort of lived in this very claustrophobic world of our own. Yeah, a little bubble, oh, yeah. 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 When I came here, like living in Clonakilty, there's only like, what, 4,000 people mm. and like no one else here plays bar. Mm. So it was like, oh, I'm meeting all these just humans mm. who are my community. Mm whether I like it or not. Mm. And so I need to interact with them. Mm. And I think that is like really healthy for mm. an artist because, because mm. you, because you actually see how your music is like tangibly, you're like, you know, you're creating something that, that other people might never have heard before. Yeah. You're and you're bringing the, something yeah, new. Yeah. The bigger you know? picture. I suppose. Yeah. And yeah. you're seeing how like life is happening in real life, you mm. know, and, and how then you might be able to create art that, feeds into that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so i actually super appreciate that mm. even though it's a different kind of career in mm, a way mm. i think it's quite rich mm, you know mm. yeah where you live does affect how you make your art because mm. it's it's a different world you mm, know? Mm, yeah mm, mm. okay yeah and you've collaborated with many musicians including a previous guest of ours and in tobin yeah how do these collaborations impact your creative process and what do you find most inspiring about working with other musicians. Yeah. Collaboration's just so interesting because it's it steps me back into a different position because mm -hmm. it's like there's a bigger thing going on here. Mm -hmm. And how can I be a part of this in a way that will elevate it? Mm -hmm. You know, rather than, you know, so many artists are just in their studio, like, you know, musicians like yeah. everything revolves around like what does this mean in my head? Mm. You know? A bit narrow though, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And, and mm. in so many ways, when you start to collaborate, you open everything out. A bit mm -hmm. more. So you're like, you might not be so emotionally involved in the thing, mm. but you might be able to have another kind of involvement, mm. you know, like a more practical involvement mm. or a more like, you know, you can help it to mm. take on a new life. Yeah. And I think I work really well in collaboration because mm. I love people. Mm -hmm. And I love working with people. And like the last, say, five years, I've done like lots of collaborations with this group, Vespertine Quintet, mm -hmm. which I set up. And we did stuff with like people like Liam and Wainley and Adrian Crowley. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it's just like a way of my artistic training helping other stuff mm -hmm. happen. And then I've started doing contemporary dance mm -hmm. pieces at the Firkin Crane in mm -hmm. Cork and at the Illin, working with choreographers and mm -hmm. creating like live music for dance. And now I'm kind of being pulled into doing, being part of the dance mm. as well. Oh my gosh. With the violin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cool. Which is fascinating because yeah. it's suddenly my body is a part of the work. It's a whole like 360 degree yeah. kind of experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then like you said, working with artists, like musicians like mm. Alan Tobin, ADT, and lots of others. It's like, it's like you meet someone and you just kind of go like, yeah, this is going to work. Mm -hmm. but the first day Alan came here, he came just for the afternoon to the studio and it was like, we did like four songs that we got recorded because he was just warming up and I'd start programming drum beats. Mm. And then instead of having a flick track, it was like, well, let's just use the beats, you yeah. know? And then, and then he would send me stuff. And there's like, so I think like collaboration's lovely too, because there's this element of trust yeah. and connection that mm. has to be there. Mm -hmm. And if it's not there, then it's just so hard to create yeah. something. <laughs> When you trust each other, when you work with someone, just trust that what you're going to do is mm. good. And uh, like Alan would send me, he'll send me like a 
he'll record in his studio like a vocal and a guitar, mm-hmm. like acoustic guitar. And then he'll send it to me and he'll just be like, right, I trust you. Just do whatever Justin does. Mm. And I'll be like, by the time I finished, there's like his vocals in there. The guitar's gone. Yeah. There's all these weird electronic sounds. Yeah. There's all this kind of stuff going on. And then I'm always like really nervous. And then it's like, oh my God, I listened to it like five times and I love it. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like, I don't know. There's this kind of, it's like, you know, I just did a film score and it was so last minute for the Cork Film Festival. Mm. It was so last minute that I didn't have time to make loads of edits. Mm. And I was like sending it off to the director going like, oh my God, your heart's in your mouth. Yeah. Like, but they trust, you know, yeah, people trust you. They wouldn't have asked me to do exactly. it. Exactly. They know they that you're going to. And then you get about like, I love everything in there. Like, mm. you know. So there's something really encouraging about that. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the relationship you must form is, must be very, yeah, must be very close. Intense. Like, yeah. 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 Like Alan and I are super close. And, yeah. Yeah. It's just lovely that it carries on and, and, it just keeps developing. Mm, That's mm. lovely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And are there any dream collaborations or projects you'd like to pursue in the future? It's a good question. But I don't have an answer because <laughs> I was thinking about it going like, you know, obviously everyone wants to collaborate with like, you know, Bon Iver or something, mm. but you know, you never know when you meet them, if you're going to trust each yeah, other exactly. and get on and have the mm. same way of working. Mm. The same vibe or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so I think it, it could end up like, you could have this dream, you know, and it could just end up being a total nightmare, nightmare. and horrible, you know, and you <laughs> yeah. might just feel terrible. Yeah. But don't they say that like, you know, you never, never meet, meet your hero, you know, because <laughs> yeah. it's always going to be like so disappointing. So, yeah, yeah, I think I'd love to just keep being open to whoever's arrives, mm. you know. Yeah. Your door is always open. Yeah. Kind <laughs> okay. of. I mean, kind of. <laughs> okay. I think, I mean, I like, that's another thing is like, I'm busy now, so uh-huh. I do have to say no to stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a lot of good things to do. And yeah. it's like just having to trust my gut that like, nah, You're doing the I, have right to, thing. I have to just mm. focus on yeah. the things that are important. Or yeah. Okay. okay. So yeah, anyway. yeah. <laughs> and can you walk us through your creative process when composing? and How do you balance classical and modern elements? Yeah. I mean, everything kind of starts differently. Mm. Uh, it, it all depends. Like, so if I'm just here and I got nothing to do, mm. I just go on the piano sitting where you are and I'll just start playing, even just play one note, you know, Mm -hmm. as soon as I play one note enough times, other notes start to emerge, Mm. you know, and stuff starts to happen and and everything's set up. Mm. Like the mics are all set up. So the piano is always mic'd. So I just hit record, you know, Mm. and play and Mm. stuff starts. Oh yeah, that's leading to that. And that's leading to that. And suddenly there might be something done. If it's a commission, you know, mm. that someone else has commissioned me to write a piece, then they've, then they've already got like their preconceived idea mm. about like certain elements of what it is. Mm. Okay. So like, this is for an orchestra, you know? So then I'm like, all right, think orchestrally, mm. you know, but generally stuff usually comes on to piano. Actually. First, yeah. And one of my kind of tricks is I think like limitation is really important. Mm-hmm. Like, cause it, when you begin, you've got this blank canvas mm. and it can be, for some people, it can be super paralyzing. Yeah. And also because nowadays, like with computers and stuff and sample packs, sample libraries, you could have any instrument. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a sample library in here that's the BBC Symphony Orchestra mm. and I can play it on a keyboard, mm. you know, so mm. you can have anything. Yeah. But when you've got everything at your fingertips, everything just sounds, it just washes into like a yeah. lab, you know, too many colors, you know. So... I have this sort of creative 
process where I just go, okay, I'm going to limit myself, mm-hmm. you know, limit myself to I, like, if it's an orchestra, okay, I've got the whole orchestra, but I'm only going to use certain notes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So like this minimalist thing of like only D's on those first violins, they're mm. only going to play D's, you know, and mm. then we might add another note. Because other, otherwise everything may as well just be Beethoven. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah, it's overwhelming. It's yeah. Really done. yeah. So by limiting myself, my kind of, you know, you start to have to think more creatively about mm. how can I structure a piece? How's this going to sing with these limitations? Mm-hmm. And then the other, so like right now I'm about to start on a new show, solo violin going through with electronics. Okay. Now you could have as many electronic samples as you want, but I'm limiting myself to go, the only beats I can use are, are made with what's called a sine wave. Okay. Which is like when the electricity goes like this. Oh, yes. And then you can make that as long or as short yeah. as you want or filter it, but it has to start with this electrical mm. pulse. And then that limitation, suddenly you're playing with, what was possible, mm, you know, mm, and you're mm. creating this whole new palette of sound that, mm. that you wouldn't have done if you just loaded up a preset, Yeah, you know? So it's like you're mixing your colors. Mm. And then, um, if I'm going to use anything else, I have to have recorded it myself mm-hmm. on my zoom thing or whatever, or okay. I had to have been there. So then any kind of ambient sound that comes in, I was there. Okay. Like, I'm not just pulling stuff. Off. Yeah. Okay. Cause everything's so available. So by making stuff a little bit less available i think it brings out like then your innate creativity yeah exactly yeah so that's kind of where everything begins like this limitation and then you kind of go all right i can kind of feel where this is growing now yeah but the piece sort of emerges itself (laughs) yeah Yeah. in a weird way i mean you hear artists thought like that yeah i know it sounds a bit strange but actually it does yeah i know i get that it does and it's Mm. partly having as i've got older i've sort of become more comfortable with getting to that point of the project where i'm going like I have no idea where this is going, you know, and I've got like the directors, like, you know, there's a schedule Mm. and then kind of like being comfortable with that and continuing to keep going every day to it. Usually I'm asleep at night in the bed and I wake up and I hear it all very clearly and I'm like, why is it always four in the morning? So get, inconvenient. Yeah, yeah, but it becomes clear <laughs> yeah. in my mind. Maybe that's because my mind's unconscious yeah. and I'm, la- I'm not getting in my way. Mm-mm. But I'm a big believer in that. Okay. Like, what, when you're asleep, mm. a lot of creativity is happening. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So writing in the morning and having a practice that allows that to come out is mm. important too. Okay. I don't know, this is all me waffling. No, no, that's... It's kind of hard to talk about creativity. Yeah. It's very individual though, isn't it? So yeah, you know, what um, works for you might not necessarily work for someone else, but. Yeah. I think what, like one of the things is just try and work quickly. Like mm. don't mess around for a whole day. Don't overthink us. Trying yeah. to set up a microphone. Mm. Just have it ready and go and mm. just keep going. And because you can always edit it out. Mm. And mean, is that why it's so, it must be great to have your own like studio. Yeah. Or, I mean, like, having that is perfect. Yeah. You can so just, just like fall in yeah, here. Yeah. I can run up here. Yeah. And quickly like. Yeah you know, write something. And then like, obviously the more technique you have, you know, you can't really learn creativity. You can mm. learn all these techniques that help. Mm. Right. So like obviously having like classical violin training and orchestration training, and mm. being literate with a pencil that just speeds up the process. Yeah. It helps. Yeah. Yeah. And then being literate with the technology mm. too. But I'm kind of hyperactively creative. <laughs> I'm like, I don't have any problems making music all the time that's great it's yeah. just in I don't your have bones. Cr- creative block 
that's good. And your compositions often meld Baroque violin with modern electronic sound yeah, processing. Yeah. What challenges or opportunities does this present? Yeah, that's a good one. Well, the first challenge is like the violin itself when you're trying to mic it up. Mm. So say you want to combine it with like really loud bass and beats mm. or, or electronic sounds, which kind of come out of speakers. Then you mic the violin. And I've spent like 20 years just trying out so many different ways of trying to amplify the violin yeah, this, yeah. Mm. and collect the right frequencies and make it sound right. But then without it feeding back and stuff, because mm. it wasn't really designed to be done, mm. you know. It's a very temperamental instrument. Mm. It's highly strung. Right? Mm. So, <laughs> <Good> one. <laughs> yeah, that's like one of the challenges is like really trying to get that right so mm. that when you're on stage and you have all this sound coming at once. That doesn't get lost. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't get lost, no. but it also doesn't like, like mm. become like super horrible yeah. for everyone's yeah. ears. The other challenge I, th- I th- think is it's still a very divided world. Like mm. most people who are into violin mm. don't get electronics stuff mm-hmm. and most people who are really into like electronic stuff mm. sort of think violin's very conservative and mm. why would you you know it's very sort of old mm. you know so i'm a kind of anomaly because mm. i'm in the middle mm. and i'm like going yeah that's really cool and that's also really mm. cool mm. you know because i like i end up playing baroque violin with ensembles and stuff mm. everyone in there all they do is play on a 17th century violin <laughs> You know, yeah. like, and they don't play any music yeah. that's written after mm. like mm. 1720. <laughs> no, you know? yeah. And it's like, um, wow, you know, there's so much more that we can do. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So I'm always thinking ahead. Yeah. And I think, I guess that's, that's also exciting. Yeah. You know, because yeah. you're doing something new and interesting. But and it can not, be like, hard not to many find. people do it. Yeah. So, it can yeah. be hard to find like, you know, the right audience or the mm. right, it's not mainstream, let's yeah. call it that much. Mm. So, so you, you could, you're trying to like, you know, you're trying to convince people. To open their ears up a bit mm, more mm, to what mm, you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Kind of a challenge. And opportunities, is it just the, the wide range of things available to you to use? Yeah. I mean, the opportunities are that it's new and it's interesting. Mm, mm. So it's sort of the flip side of the coin. Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. It's untapped. Yeah. And it's trying <laughs> to find people like, you know, Ray and DeBarra is like, yeah. I'm so lucky to have, to live here, yeah. you know, and have him as like one of mm. my friends. And he's just like, Anytime you want to try something out on there, mm. there's that venue with a great sound mm. system and an audience. You can just try these experiments mm. out, you know. It's great. So that's an amazing opportunity. And then it's like trying to piece together where's this going to then fit mm. in the wider scheme of like the music or just the musical world. Mm. And I'm lucky enough that I've like found like, you know, these choreographers who are into mm. it or directors of films and stuff rather than maybe just like following that indie musician path of like just trying to tour like Whelan's and Mm. you know Mm. whatever Mm. so okay it's trying to kind of walk a different path I think okay okay you've been involved in various teaching initiatives and community projects how do you see music's role in society and what motivated you to dedicate time to teaching and community engagement yeah good one I've got a lot of ideas about mm. music should be something that's like in the midst of society. Like, mm. in the, like we have this world where, you know, you go on a Sunday evening to see an opera mm. and it's very expensive mm. and it's in a very sort of elite thing mm-hmm. or a con or an orchestra, you know, that's the sort of thing that happens on a Sunday evening and yeah. then Monday morning comes around and like life is hard. Yeah. Whereas I kind of feel like 
that music should be the man in the midst of all of yeah. that Monday morning stuff yeah. as well. Mm. You know, like it's not just this pretty thing on the edge. Yeah, that you kind of do your bit. Mm. It's like music has this amazing power to inform and connect us and help mm. us resonate mm. in so many ways as a sort of society. Mm. You know, and and even thinking now, you know, there's these amazing videos of like Palestinian and Israeli singers mm. singing together. Mm. You know, and it's like if we all did that, yeah. how could we be fighting each know, other exactly. if we're making music with yeah. each other? You yeah. Know? Yeah. That, yeah, that simple phrase. Mm shows us how important it is, mm. you know, but it, but like capitalism seems to have relegated it to like this expensive thing on mm. the edges. And so I'm very passionate about it being something that I help in a little way, bring back to like normal people living, get to experience yeah. music and music making, not just hearing it on Lyric FM, but like mm. being involved in it, participating in it. Getting more involved in the everyday, I suppose. Yeah, and it's becoming such... a part of people's lives, mm. you know, because nowadays you, you hear people say, you know, either you're a musician or you're a non-musician, whereas actually everyone is musical. Mm. You know, like yeah. I said, you like listening to music. They're like, yeah, we love listening to music. You're super musical. Mm. You know, you know yeah. what, you, what works for you, you know, mm. what resonates with you. So we've got this weird world that kind of divides. Yeah. And I guess have this kind of thing like, Every action I do, could that be a little vote for mm. what I want mm. the world to look like in mm. 10 years' time for my son or, mm. or for me? What I want the town to look like, mm. you know? I don't want to shop in a supermarket. I want to shop in local shops because mm. I love going talking yeah. to the local shopkeeper. Exactly. You know, so everything's like a little vote. So I guess I've always had this thing of like putting my time into helping the next generation get mm. music. And like we started this little Saturday morning youth orchestra mm -hmm. in Clon that went mm. on for like t nearly 10 years. And the kids did it themselves. Mm. They paid, they collected the money yeah. and they did everything. And I was just there going, I'm going to help you with the music, mm. but you guys are your own community. Mm. So that, and now I'm involved with the older generation mm. of people. So now I'm doing work in hospitals, mm. elevating older people's creativity and mm. giving them a creative voice. Mm. I kind of believe that every town should have like a resident composer. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. You know, and actually, if you, like going back to what I studied, which was Bach yeah. and, the, and the Baroque era, mm. like Bach lived in Leipzig, this town. Mm. He was employed by the church mm. to write music for the community every Sunday mm. that they would play. Mm. And then in the week, he taught the kids. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like, so the music he was writing every week was super relevant to what they were going through mm -hmm. as a community, you know? Mm. And I think that's just something amazing. And yeah. then somehow that became like really divorced from real life. Mm. And it just became this sort of highly elite thing that goes on on yeah. Sunday nights. I want to bring it back. Yeah. You know, I think it's empowering. Vote for Justin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's, it, I think like if we are going to do that, it takes yeah. everyone shifting their mindset yeah. towards what is creativity, what mm -hmm. is music. Mm -hmm. And it's available and it's something you can do, participate in. You don't have to be like playing Beethoven violin. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you can participate. So. Like I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't mm. be able to play any instruments. Mm. I'm not a great singer. Mm. I still love music. Yeah. And I love the way you can have a piece of music that when you're feeling happy, makes you really happy. Yeah. And yeah. when you, yeah. when you're feeling sad, yeah. it makes you feel like 
just matches your mood. Yeah. You know, so I think music is very important to just, it's kind of almost like a reflection of yourself and yeah. how you're feeling. You know? And, so, and you, know, when, you know, when Sinead O'Connor died, mm. look at the reaction. Mm. You know, mm. I love what she said. She said something about how when you've got a sad song, the sadness, when it gets sung with a melody, mm. it gets like magically healed mm. or something, or it yeah. magically heals yeah. you, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. And she was like, she embodied that yeah. for people. But when, you know, that was just like, yeah, everyone, mm. of course. Everyone's yeah. so involved with music. Yeah, yeah. And years ago, I wrote this set of scores called the Human Orchestra Project. Mm. I had this idea that I could write a score and it was just an A, the score was, would just be an A4 piece of paper and there's no musical notes or anything. Mm. It was just written instructions. And you could go to a room of people like, I did it. I've done it with like a group of GP doctors or, mm. or a group of CEOs. Or mm. You go in and you just give the score out to everyone. It tells them what to do. And mm. then when they follow the instructions, they're making music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I did a whole load of them. Mm, and gosh. I did this TED thing in Clon, TEDx. Oh, yeah. whatever, and yeah, I, I yeah. did one there. And, um, but it's like, you know, even if you can just open your voice yeah. and use your voice in a set, you know, even one note, just sing a note. Mm. With then no you, sing. Then, then you... <laughs> Then it's a very simple concept, yeah. but, it, but you're in a room with all these people. Suddenly you're creating this magic mm, mm, and mm. you're doing it, mm, mm, you mm. know, and that's quite transforming. Yeah. And I think we need to get out of our heads a little bit, you know, like when you're younger, you know, like I look at my, my son there and he loves music, he loves mm. listening to music and mm. he'd be singing. Yeah. And then I'm like going, there's going to be a point now that he's just going to get you know stop doing that yeah. you know and it's really yeah. sad you, you know, know like the, the, you know people who go i'm tone deaf you know i meet people all the time in my work who go oh no i'm tone deaf oh. and you know what it is it's no one's really tone deaf no. like for maybe one in like a million yeah are actually can't perceive yeah tonality. yeah but what it is is they were in the school choir and the teacher told them open your mouth but please don't make any sound because <laughs> you can't sing that's what it is yeah that's actually what it is and it's like that one moment at that pivotal time of their life when they were surrounded by their peers and they wanted to just sing and they were told not to no yeah and then they say oh no i'm toned down and they've been robbed of the Mm. experience yeah yeah for the rest of their lives like and it's funny but it's tragic it's very sad really yeah and it's like yeah it's weird isn't it so yeah it's, it's something that all of us need to like just, you say vote for just I'm not, I'm not looking for votes but it's sort of like we all have to empower ourselves yeah and maybe i can play more of a role because yeah. i have more expertise in it, yeah. But yeah yeah something yeah what do you hope audiences take away from listening to your music yeah that, or I do don't... you have any <laughs> do you know what i don't have any i hope someone enjoys it well obviously they do <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but when you're writing music or whatever if you were worried about what people thought mm. i mean that's why again a lot of people stop because mm. they listen back to the mix mm. in the studio and they go oh, it doesn't sound like Coldplay. Or, mm. it doesn't sound like what people like mm. and if you went down that route everything just sounds like ed sheeran yeah you know mm-hmm. um which is one thing but there's more things mm. right and mm. and so i i think it takes time i think when you're young i don't know 20s right mm. you you worry about that but now I, I just don't think about it because I'm mm. like, the best music I can make is the music 
that I will just want to make. Mm -hmm. You know, if I can be as true as I can to what I hear and the vision that I have, that's the best I can do. Okay. You know, if you don't like my music, you can buy the whole Beatles back before, <laughs> or you can download it on Spotify. Or whatever. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah, plenty yeah. of other music. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I want to, like, I want to just make music that's that's true to what yeah. I speaks to you. Yeah. Okay. And um, I think that's the only way to go as an mm -hmm. artist, isn't it? Okay. You you can get too bound up in what the end listener is going to be thinking of. So, yeah. 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 How would you stay motivated and creative during challenging times in, in your career? Yeah. You've never had an issue with that. So. Um, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, like there's always challenges mm -hmm. and there's always, you know, like life's never perfect. Mm. And if you were waiting for it, for, for there to be no challenges, mm. then before you started making art or music or whatever, creating, then you'd just never do it. Mm -hmm. And actually it's the challenges that, oftentimes make the best art yeah if you're able to embrace like i'm looking behind you there there's a mm. picture on my piano of me and kath i'm wearing a green mm. shirt kath played cello with me in in australia okay we traveled together and stuff playing music and sh she got cancer mm. you know she rung me just before she died and she mm. was like oh i've got one more request I, I just want you to make a piece of music for my funeral you know and it was like you know, talk about a challenge, you know, yeah. like I was distraught anyway. Mm, mm. But then as soon as I went to the piano, all of like the memories I had of us together, mm. just like, I was like, this is what I do with my challenge. Mm, mm. I get, I use this process mm -hmm. to create something, you know, and I created something that I was so proud of. And I sent it to her on WhatsApp. In oh, Australia, yeah. she was in the hospice. You know, oh, God. And she was able to play it on what's that? Oh, and here lovely. Would be played at her funeral. Yeah. And it was like my way of saying goodbye. Yeah. You know, so yeah, if you can galvanize like the challenge, the challenges are there for you to make music out of, mm. you know, that's mm. what it's about. I think. It means an awful lot. And the resonance them. of it, you know, the resonance mm. of like I, we used to joke at university, like all the best art came out of cold horrible weather places <laughs> like russia you know? yeah yeah and like what came out of like miami yeah. Uh, you know yeah. but like you know the resonance of having to try and live yeah. and struggle and make something out of your life mm. is what draws us to to try and create these structures of beauty yeah yeah and so like look at people like nick cave you mm. know, some of the work that he did after his son died mm. is just extraordinary yeah yeah you know yeah. he's he's managed to process it and embrace mm. it in a way mm. that yeah, you know. Good answer. Know. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. And in a digital age where social media plays a significant role in connecting artists with their audiences and promoting music, how do you perceive the role of social media in the music industry? And do you feel that it's possible to thrive as a musician without extensive use of social media? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that's like, when I was sort of, starting out after college there was this thing called myspace do you remember myspace although in ireland you had bebo yeah Bebo. Bebo. It's kind of like <laughs> but i remember myspace like, not that i was ever like when i when i left college i had this friend who was a computer guy and knew about computers and he when we were graduating he was like you need a website you know yeah. so he's like i'm just gonna make you a website yeah for free or whatever or gave him like 50 mm. quid or something so that was like my first website and I mm. had that website ever since mm. and I've changed it and everything and mm. I, I can use it to, you know, communicate yeah. what I do. And then suddenly it was like, 
I remember being in Australia. It was like, oh, MySpace. You've got to be on MySpace. So I got a MySpace page mm. and everyone was like, this is like the answer for freelance musicians mm. or for like people trying to make a career. And I was in my tw early 20s. So mm. it was like, oh, that's me. Better get this MySpace page. And there was, all, and it was always this highlight of like, oh, these MySpace success stories, like Arctic Monkeys. Remember mm. that? Mm. It was like, oh, they're on MySpace. And, and now they're like millionaires or whatever. And it was like, everyone was kind of like, oh, cool. That means we can be millionaires, mm. you know? And none of us quite saw the reality of it. Mm. And then like, I was in Australia, I was on MySpace. MySpace was quite actually benign. I don't think it they was, yeah, it harvested was, yeah, yeah. stuff. But it was kind of just having a page. But mm. it was like, I have a website. Um, and then I came on tour and I played in London mm. and all these old college friends came to the show. And then the next thing I got this email going, oh, there's all these pictures of you playing at, in London show on Facebook. And I'm like, what's Facebook? I didn't mm. even know what Facebook mm. was. Mm. And so I joined Facebook to look at these pictures of me on stage going, you know, because you're yeah. interested in what yeah. lo you look like. And suddenly I'm on Facebook and none of us, like we're like the tech world, we're like, oh, this is so democratizing and this is going to be so great for mm. artists, mm. you know, to connect with the world. Mm. It turns out like all the people who got really famous on mm. social media have these massive management teams mm. and stuff. Like mm -hmm. Billie Eilish, she has mm. this incredible manage mm. management team mm. who have very strategically, you know. Yeah. So um, over the years and years and years, I sort of realized, well, like we're seeing it now, aren't mm. we, that with all of the stuff that came out, like Cambridge Analytica, mm. that, okay, it, the business model is so dark that they set up. Mm. And I read this guy called Jaron Lanier, who's um, a tech guy, but he's also a composer. Okay. And he's very, very interesting. And he was one of the original guys setting up the internet mm -hmm. in Silicon Valley. Okay. And he was like, oh, it was all the best intention. It wanted, mm. We wanted it to be free for everyone. Now, if it's free, suddenly they're like, well, where are we going to make money? Mm -hmm. So then they came up with this plan that they're going to monitor everything that you look at, mm -hmm. create these algorithms because they want you on it for longer. Mm. And then they're going to sell that data to whoever indiscriminately. Mm. Mm. So then you see stuff like, I mean, look at Israel and Palestine mm. now. I mean, I mean, obviously it's a heartbreaking situation mm. in every single way. But then when you go on in, in the social media, it's just like this shit show of, I know. of like misinformation, uh, putting yeah. fire, mm. petrol on a mm. big enough fire. Mm. Mm. So again, it's that thing of like, well, I want to, exist in a way that like does my little vote for the future yeah you know yeah and actually how many musicians like me has this social media world really enabled yeah. to make more like are there more people making a living as mm. artists there aren't no they're probably actually making less yeah like, it's actually hear? like kind of killing yeah. the, the scene mm, mm. because people's like are so manipulated by the algorithm mm. they're like they're not, they're listening to like 10 seconds of a song and mm. then their concentration has gone and they're skipping yeah. and skipping yeah. and skipping. So if you're like me and you want to write like these 20 minute pieces, <laughs> like, you know. It's just not going to work. Sort of, <laughs> yeah. So it's sort of like part of me is like, yeah, this is a really great way of reaching everyone and everything. But at the end of the day, I think the negative side of it is too overwhelming mm. for me. Mm. And it's like, well, I want to invest in things that are going to reach people in a more sort of deeper way yeah. and in a more constructive yeah. and positive way. So mm. I'm kind of investing in my community and, mm. you know, in doing things in a smaller way that okay. might, you know, but one thing I do, I am kind of exploring is this Patreon thing. Okay. 
So that's kind of like a site set up where people can subscribe to support and fund my yeah. music project. Mm. So like for three euros a month, mm -hmm. people put that in and then every month I give them like behind the scenes stuff or tutorials yeah. about what I've done or like a bit extra. Yeah. And it's just kind of a nice way of actually. It's more personal. Yeah. yeah. It's not collecting people's data. Yeah. It's kind of like a direct mm -hmm. way of people funding the arts. And okay. I think that's a really exciting use of the internet a better model yeah totally yeah. yeah yeah okay okay i've kind of just made this thing like when i have to pay for something i'll use it so i, <laughs> I, I pay apple for my mail yeah. you know yeah and to listen to music because yeah. i know they're not they're not they don't have an incentive to yeah. sell my yeah. data exactly yeah. feed yeah. me more stuff well know? yeah there's no such thing as you know something for free really if you're if it's something yeah. if you're not paying for something you're paying yeah. for it another way yeah. so yeah and it's sort of yeah i mean it's getting out of hand now mm. the social media thing and, and there's all these new things like someone invited me the other day to blue sky have you heard of that no it's started by the same guy who started twitter oh god but now it's like Oh, a better social media. Ah, <laughs> oh, but there's always going to be something new and better. And once yeah. you go on one thing, then it's, there's something new. Yeah. I just can't yeah. keep, keep up. I'm just so I kind of like up. you know I just made the decision to myself like yeah I want to connect with people through my music. But there's so many ways of connecting. Mm. You know, even mm. if it's just connecting with your local yeah. community yeah. in a certain way. A more positive yeah. and wholesome way yeah, of doing I'm, it. I'm up for that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And for someone considering a career in the music industry, drawing from your own experiences, what advice would you give them? Are there any specific lessons you've learned or key principles you believe are crucial for navigating the challenges and opportunities in this dynamic field? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was like 21, I mm. had a masterclass, like Baroque violin masterclass. And I was like ready to start a career. Mm. You know, and, and I was like, oh, Basically asked him that question. I was like, have you got any advice mm. for me? Mm. And, he, and he goes, yeah, I got one piece of advice. Don't. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> wow. You know, yeah. But in a way, it kind of, it galvanized me. Yeah. Like, I think if you're going to go and be an artist mm. or a composer, like, it really just has to be the thing that you just have to do. Yeah, yeah. Like if there's another way of getting through life mm -hmm. or whatever, or you can contribute to the world mm. in another way, that might be a better way. Mm. But for me, it's just what I have to do because mm. that's what I do. Mm -hmm. Like, so there wasn't really any question about yeah. how, like, would I do it or not? Yeah. It was like, okay, how am I going to do this? Mm. And, I, and I kind of started out by going, when I got to Australia, I was like, Lots of artists get jobs in coffee shops, right? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and they're like, yeah. oh, I'm actually a composer. Yeah. Monday to Friday, they're in the coffee shop. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. Oh, I'm yeah. just going to like do anything I can to make a living that does music. Yeah, involves music. You know, yeah. so it was like I just took all the jobs I could, mm. like in any band doing gigs or anyone needed a violin player in a studio, I just went and did it. Mm. You needed a violin lesson, I taught you a violin lesson, mm. you know, and it was like, by opening out the net like that, mm. I've, I sort of gradually found my way, you mm -hmm. know, the things that I really was good at, mm. you know, and the things I wasn't so good mm. at, and all the things I thought that I wanted to do, but actually I didn't really want yeah, to do. Yeah. So I think my advice would just be like, if you really, really want to do this and this is your life, just take every job you can, yeah, yeah. you know, and do that and you'll meet loads of people, Yeah. you yeah. know. Like someone told me right, right early on was uh, t actually two really good bits of advice. One was 
if you can live off like 10,000 a year, mm. you're twice as secure as someone who needs 20,000 a year. So yeah. that was really good yeah, advice because I was like, okay, yeah. cool. If I just have like really low expenses, yeah, and like, yeah. you know. And then the other one was the three A's, right? So when you're trying to get a gig. Yeah. Affability. Yeah. Availability. Yeah. Ability. Okay. And yeah. they come in that order. Yeah. So if you're really affable, if you're really likable, so, yeah. you're going to get the gig. Mm. Even if you're not, ability is lower than mm. that guy who's a genius, but he's an asshole. Yeah, you know? exactly. If you're available, you make yourself available, you're going to get the gig. Mm. And then finally, ability. Mm. You know, you have mm. to have some. But mm. those other two are important. Mm. So I kind of, yeah, I went with that. Mm. Sounds good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very good. And where do you see your artistic path leading you in the future? What are your future plans? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm open to anything, really. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. open, like, I've always been open to what comes up. You know, mm. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm not projecting into some sort of, you know, fantasy of being uber famous. Mm. I actually quite like my life mm. <laughs> as mm. it is. Yeah. And I'm at homeschooling with mm. my, my kid. So I'm really enjoying that. Yeah. And he's playing piano and he's loving playing piano. And so I'm just kind of open to learning yeah. all the time. And yeah, I'd, I'd, I love just creating music. So mm. I'm, I'm open to... Wherever the road will take yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, I've been really, really loving doing the collaborations with dance mm. projects. Mm. I'm loving that. It's so interesting and beautiful and mm. a different world. And, I've, and I really love doing film stuff. So mm. independent film making is... Mm. I love that too. Okay. So yeah, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so yeah. much, Justin, for chatting to us You're here welcome. on the Cork Creative yeah. Podcast. Yeah. If you'd like to learn more about Justin and his music, you can find links on corkcreative.ie.